0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Don't miss the new docuseries Black Twitter, a people's history. From memes to movements, see how this powerful online community shapes culture and society. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. It's all songs considered from NPR
1: Music. I'm Robin Hilton. All throughout this year, in 2023, Peter Gabriel has been releasing a new song on every full moon. And he's also released an alternate mix of each of those songs on every new moon. Now, on December 1st, those songs are being released as a 12-track album called I.O. It stands for Input Output. So
2: eyes, swollen skies, look for anchors, look for ties.
3: Sharp Swim around, soak into the brittle ground In
2: so many days, held inside this body In so many days, but there's nothing to do Been so many days, in the throbbing of the darkness
1: This is Peter Gabriel's first new studio album of all new songs in more than 20 years. So to mark the occasion, this week we're revisiting a guest DJ session we did with Gabriel when he was touring for the 25th anniversary of his landmark album, So. The conversation between Peter Gabriel and Bob Boylan took place backstage on the last performance of the tour. Gabriel began by talking about the first album he ever bought as a kid.
3: Well, music was my mother's passion, and so. Was she a player? I, uh, she played piano, uh-huh. I mean, not professionally, but they, you know, Christmases were always full of all the members of the family singing and playing different instruments, and so it was quite a m- musical experience. Uh, occasion. And on my dad's side, his sister had sung opera. So I didn't like everything there, but you know, it was part of, of my life and I think um, but it was classical music for her, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, she had one or two sort of swinging things that she would play, but it was...
4: What, what would those swinging things be, you remember? Um,
3: oh, uh, Buttons and Bows was uh-huh. one of them. Um, night and Day I mean, it's, it's sort of classics yeah. from that period, really, I guess. It's
4: such a great period of music, of songwriting, of, yeah. of lyricists and yeah. partnerships and so forth. And and the first music that you can remember either buying with your own money or... Well, I remember hearing
3: the Beatles uh, in the back of my parents' car when I, I, I guess I was 13 years old uh-huh. and 63, uh, if that's when it came out, because um, I think I felt younger at the time, but... It was way more radical sounding than the Sex Pistols or punk ever was, because it was dirty and gritty, I mean, in a way that you encountered maybe only on blues records, but you never got to hear on sort of polite, popular radio.
4: It's hard for people to imagine that, and I'm glad you brought that up, because I think a lot of times you play music like this now, it yeah. feels so innocent, right? Yeah. And so it... To place yourself into that time period in 1963 where, you know, you didn't hear people jangling around like that, right? No, re- it was really that.
3: revolutionary and very exciting. You know, I think I had the same feeling when I first heard um, Hey Joe, you know, it was. Jimmy uh, Hendrix version? Jimmy of? Yeah, oh. Hendrix, yeah okay Hey yeah. Joe, yeah. sorry. Yeah, that's fine. Because, um, again, that was one of those things where you can picture where you were at that precise moment.
4: How about if we play just a little bit of, uh, you Wonder please, please me? Sure. Just for a second. At 13, did you have the urge to try to make music like this? Um, I knew that it was really exciting. I think
3: by then, I wanted to be a drummer. I think around 13, I bought my first musical instrument, which was a bass tom-tom, only because it was the only thing I could afford with my pocket money. (laughs) Uh, It was seven pounds, and uh, I was so proud of it. How big? Um, It wasn't probably 14 inches, but it... it, um, uh, it was an old premier tom-tom. Driving your mom crazy with it? Yep. And, uh, uh, but it had... Um, these were the days of real leather skins. Uh, that Shows how old I am. Uh, <laughs> but they have a really different sound. And even though they're a nightmare for drummers, because they're always splitting and uh, um, there is something to the sound that you will never get out of a synthetic skin. Um, and still now when I have, um, you know, and as a vegetarian that brings up certain moral issues, I'm sure, but the, just from a sound point of view, you know, when I bought some of these Brazilian drums or Peruvian drums, which are probably my two favorite drums in my collection, uh, there's a surdo, which is a huge monster of a thing. They're both natural skins, and the Peruvian drum, we call it hairy drum, some of the hair's gone from, but, but it really has a different,
4: um, more visceral, physical quality to it. You are pretty passionate about that drum sound. Yes, and that, I, I, I,
3: I know. Yeah. I, I get very anal about because you know drums were the first thing that really excited me. I was a drummer in a soul band and a jazz I band. Didn't know
4: that. Yeah, pretty Did, bad. Was there a lot of R and B that you liked back? So you would have been right in the heart of. Well, for me, in growing up in the states, it would have been Motown. But it's probably for you too. right? Yeah, Motown, yeah. but. But
3: Otis Redding was a yeah. king for me. Yeah. And so, you know, some of the stacks and uh, um, that
4: sort of classic R&B soul. There's a lot of that Memphis sound, I, I, well, and Sledgehammer for sure, right? Exactly. No, that was a
3: partly homage. Oh, was it? Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, we... we Uh, tried to find whoever was left of the Memphis Horns and Wayne Jackson sort of put a group together. And so that was part of the excitement of that session was hearing all these Otis stories because I managed to see Otis Redding, I think in 64, in Brixton in London, in the Ram Jam Club, which was a basement and there were probably three white faces in the whole place. And it it was still, to
4: this day, my favorite ever gig. Wow. Uh, Can you remember a song from that or just something from Otis that... You know, our show goes to people who are our age and sometimes 20, and and you're surprised what they don't know. So let's Um, turn people on to some Otis Redding.
3: Well, just try I mean, Mr. Pitiful was one, uh, Try a Little Tenderness. Um, I mean, Otis Blue was probably my favorite album. So pretty much anything.
4: Let's see what I got.
3: What's it? I've I been loving you too long. By the river. River. What's that? Oh, um, yeah, the change is Gonna Come. Change is Gonna Come. Yeah, yeah. let's do that. Because right. the way he bends the note is something that I've tried to do in many songs since then.
5: It's been a long, long, long time coming. I know, I know, change has got to come. Oh, yes, it is. Now, now.
4: Is there any voice these days that you hear that does that for you? And it's not to say there aren't great singers, but maybe, yeah. maybe it's just well, growing up on it, but it really does hit.
3: Well, to me, what is magical about that is you've got what I would call sort of soft mm. voices and hard voices. And here's, here's a voice that has got both those qualities. It's got incredible warmth, pain, love, you know, and, you know, I said it about Yusu sometimes, and it's a different, very use different. Yusuf and door Yeah, Yusuf sorry, very different yeah. kettle of fish. But this feeling that the sun comes out, when they start singing you know it's a um you just felt your heart being opened when you're in his presence and um it's um yeah i i still feel all that emotion when i hear it and i mean say you know someone like springsteen who has incredible energy as a performer if you can imagine that times something <laughs> <laughs> um, you, it's really you, hard to. Yeah, I you. <laughs> you start to get near Otis because he and he'd stop it and he'd be very still sometimes, but when he was on, it was just like a factory of uh, energy, love, and passion.
4: And forty-five years later, we're talking about him. I mean, and he, you know, he passed so young. sixty in, in, in nineteen sixty-seven is when he uh, died in a plane crash. And and the, I guess the power of what he did really speaks that we're even thinking about that guy still. Yeah. So we did uh something um i wouldn't have thought you'd pick the Beatles and not i mean sort of how could you in some ways they were so important to everybody at, at that age and, yeah
3: because because yeah. they if you weren't there, you don't sort of get what they were doing to the world. The world was sort of locked up repressed fifties, yeah. and there was this sense that young people were coming of age it was we were inheriting the world, and i don 't think uh from the um many many years ago there'd ever been a moment where sort of mass communication and culture collided in in such a way to thrust a generation into the limelight as happened in the 60s and i know people are very bored about people banging on about That's 60s right. but there was something unique about it it was so exciting to be a beatle fan then and, and and you know yes we all had lots of other influences and interests but that was the core of where it was happening, and it was really good music. I mean, you know, so much now, the mainstream is not necessarily where the great music is, but
4: then it was. But there is a lot of great music. There is always, undeniably, right. No, there's always yes. great
3: music yeah. and great musicians out there. So, um, and and I don't, you know, I love good pop music too. I never put that down i started off trying to write pop songs and i still respect people who do but uh, something i'm still passionate about is to try and get a songwriters festival together where you you mix sort of mary poppins along with nine inch nails and, and it's because it's all music you know and um as a uh basie who said there's only two types of music good and bad yeah. and uh you know that's that rings true for me and let's celebrate the good and also the art of songwriting because although there are people who are passionate about it, um, I I think it needs to be supported and praised and celebrated because it would be a shame for young people just to get excited by the beats and the sounds Mm -hmm. and not get the full flavor of what they can do with, with words and melodies and harmonies.
0: From the memes to the movements, see how this powerful community shapes culture, society, and politics. Black Twitter, a people's history, is now streaming on Hulu. This message comes from NPR sponsor Hulu. Starring Riley Keough and Lily Gladstone, Under the Bridge is now streaming with new episodes Wednesdays, only on Hulu. Support for NPR and the following message come from the American Cancer Society. Dr. Alpa Patel leads a team that researches cancer risk factors, and she shares how a new study aims to impact an underrepresented community.
2: My greatest hope for the Voices of Black Women study is that it will help us understand and identify culturally tailored ways to change and really eliminate the unacceptable disparities for future generations of Black women as it relates to cancer.
0: To learn more, go to voices.cancer.org. Do you
1: ever wish you could get your stories in three hours rather than three minutes? Or maybe you're sick of doom scrolling, getting your news in bits and pieces. That is where Embedded comes in. We bring you documentary series that will change the way you think about things. Find us wherever you get your podcasts.
4: I know one of the artists who you really love as a singer is Nina Simone, and a a great song uh, that I saw on a list of yours um, was I Put a Spell on You. Yeah. That,
3: again, was one of those things where I remember the room I was in at school when I first heard that coming out of the radio on Radio Luxembourg, and it just stank of human passion. And the way she does this duet with the saxophone um, has, uh, again, inspired me in many things since then.
5: I put a spell on you Because you're
3: I think that's the, uh, yeah, the <laughs> anthem stand up and for un- unrequited love. <laughs> that's beautiful.
4: Uh, so on, on the, this new record, so, <laughs> new record, so, yes, of course, sure. on the 25th anniversary of it, some interesting stuff going on. There's live from, what, Athens? From yeah, we did the, the video, which... is a DVD. There's a remaster of the record. Yeah. And then there's these things that, you call them DNA? Yeah, which sort of the strands of the song is how I interpreted that. Uh, can I play a little bit of Red Rain and let me play the regular version first, so sure. people who don't know the song know it, and then let's just sort of go back and just talk about pull it to pieces. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> First of all, the drum sound, right? We talked about this just yeah. a moment ago. I don't guess there's any leather here, but, but no, the, there
3: isn't there. But there's a. I mean, because I'm so uh, anal about drummers and drums, you know, we do have some uh, the best drummers. You know, I'm very, very lucky. And who's that drummer? Uh, that's mainly Manu, but sometimes, you know, there may be, I think, a bit of Stuart Copeland's mm-hmm. high hat. I mean, and I. You know, I cut up some of the performances and, and glued bits from different players because we had Jerry Marotta doing a lot of tracks. and, and there's a good amount of him on, on some of the tracks of the Manu principally on that record. Um, but. Little bits of, of Stewart. Um, so, and I, I work with so many brilliant drummers, Steve Gadd, Billy Cobham. And, uh, you know, it's a. Uh, it's one of the perks of the job for me is that I get to work with these amazing players.
4: And the sound itself so the playing's pretty extraordinary. Yeah, the sound, but, yes. But but you are going after something that it snaps so well. Yeah. Um well I also But it's also very musical. Yeah. I, I think Do you tune drums? Do you Well,
3: I love tune drums and I think Jazz on a Summer's Day a long time ago, the Chico Hamilton um, they had these very obviously, tuned drums, and I thought that's interesting. You know, playing melodies with drums, mm-hmm. and and I've been fascinated with that ever since. And and Manu certainly is someone who's a sort of compositional player who improvises in a very musical way. And and we do try and get the drums tuned. And do you to, tune
4: them to a key on a yeah, keyboard. To the, it other?
3: depends. You know, sometimes it'll be related to the track. And but if I mean, first of all, the player will tune their own. Stuff and if it sounds great, we don't right. mess with it. But some drums have sort of voices, if you like, and if they're sort of speaking in that way, so like the Sodu, for instance, or this hairy drum, when we use them, which wasn't on this track, but they will always be tuned to the pitch of the <laughs> key. So I, I think it is another way of, of getting information. And the other thing, you know, we looked at is we had this one record, not this one, where we just didn't use symbols at all. And that <clears throat> cleared up the high frequencies mm-hmm. because sometimes you need to think in composition of every bass note y- you use is a big fat mother, you know, yeah. it takes a lot of space. Uh, and if you can do some of the same musical jobs up high.
4: That's interesting. So that's why some of th- that, that, there's that clarity. Yeah. at the top of the drum that that ring out that yeah. that happens there's room for it now because so, the symbols are yeah. there
3: yeah so so we try and get the sort of lot of high information i mean but in this case there are symbols but it's but that's just one idea mm-hmm. and also i had uh, daniel lenoir and kevin killen uh, as producer and engineer who are both you know brilliant yeah, in they their really fields are. so um, everything you know sounded good and you know dan is also good at uh, visualizing stuff so uh, as well as me having an idea of, of where I want it to go and what I want it to sound like, it, he does as well.
4: So I'll play some of the basics, just a little bit of the DNA strand of, of Red Rain. Yeah,
3: maybe I should explain
4: too, because we, yes, we keep a
3: recording device mm-hmm. of some sort on. It used to be cassette players, then DAT players. and
4: um, Oh my God, you must have warehouses.
3: We have warehouses <laughs> of these things. And I would recommend that to anyone composing, because it's very cheap in this digital world to keep everything recorded. But... Uh, also have a, a code track or some sort of button or pedal that you can click live when something interesting happens, and then you won't have to go through all the crap. Ah. Uh, but anyway, it meant that we could come back, and we couldn't find everything, but we found quite a few things, often on cassette, um, from these sessions, and there were moments you know, when a certain melody was discovered or rhythm that later you know, mm-hmm. led eventually to the, to the final song.
4: I'll play just a, a touch of this, and they're not always very good. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you might wince at your voice in this one, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Maybe no. you tell yeah, me. No, no,
3: no. There's definitely a few real bummers. <laughs> we those
4: were two separate occasions cut, cut, that spliced together and do you mostly write on piano it seems like this is a song written on piano yeah. would that be would that be yeah. is that true yeah. and, and, often for you
3: yeah often and then uh, a drum drum machine will often be a key part of it that i need to be inspired by the rhythm and we work or i work particularly at the beginning long and hard trying to find
4: grooves don't seem the same as everyone else's groups that I'm listening to. You recently did a covers record called Scratch My Back, and when I saw the track list before I heard it, I expected, is it going to be monumental? Is it going to be huge? And then listening to them, you had this beautiful surprise for all of us. I th- that's how I looked at it. They were very spare. Yeah. They were, um, you know, sh- some stark. pulsating strings, stark pulsating strings, some nice swelling horns and strings. How did you approach this? I mean, that, Boy in a Bubble, very, very slow, it put a spotlight on all the lyrics to these songs for sure and the and the heart, the melody of these songs, yeah.
3: Yeah, I think um, it was uh, from a songwriter's perspective and I was working with a wonderful arranger, John Metcalf, too. So the idea was to try and sort of strip them back to what they had begun as. And, uh, I mean, the Paul Simon was probably the most interesting in the sense that it was the most different from where it had started uh which was this up-tempo graceland track that a lot of people loved and um you know we emptied it right out uh, took away the every ounce of african (laughs) blood and uh and what was left you know was another miserable white man song but when
4: that line comes these are the days of miracle and wonder don't don't cry baby don't cry It was even more poignant than it was in the original song, at least I thought so.
2: It was a slow day And the sun was beating On the soldiers by the side of the road There was a bright light the shattering of shop windows The bomb in the baby carriage Was wired to the radio These are the days Of miracle and wonder This is the long distance call The way the camera Follows us in slow The way we look to a song The way we look To a distant constellation that's dying in a corner of the sky. These are the days of miracle and wonder. Don't cry, baby, don't cry, don't cry. He's
3: such a great writer. You know, few, there are writers who are extremely gifted musically you know, um, you could say a sort of Brian Wilson person or, or someone who's extremely gifted lyrically like Leonard Cohen. Mm-hmm. And, um, but rarely do you find someone who's sort of balanced in their talent. Um, the way Paul, Paul Simon, Simon is. is.
4: I'm here at the Patriot Center here in Fairfax, Virginia, right. and I'm going to see your show tonight. You're going to do so. I'm sure you're going to do an awful lot more. What's exciting you Making music, you did a beautiful record with amazing string arrangements. Again, there were strings on the cover's record. Does that seem to be the way you're working these days? No, I
3: I think I'll stay away from orchestra on the next thing, probably. And In fact, what we do on this show is we have uh, three parts. The first part is more like it would be in rehearsal. It actually starts with an unfinished song. (laughs) <laughs> which doesn't yet have a lyric, and we keep the house lights on, and it's acoustic or semi acoustic instruments. And we do sort of four or five numbers like that. And then the second chunk, uh, I, I think of it as a sort of starter, main course, and dessert. Uh-huh. And the main course is more sort of electronic, uh, as you know, also includes a, a song like Family in the Fishing Net, which is not one of the most sort of easy. Um, songs uh, for for my audience but anyway if they get through that section <laughs> then they get to the dessert and that's the uh, So album from start to finish
4: Could you just rattle off some of the instrumentation that's on stage or any of the people we might know um,
3: well, It is in fact the band that took that record out uh, to the world 25 26 years ago which is with uh, Tony Levin, oh my God, um, great. David Sanchez Manu Ketchay on the drums and David Rhodes on guitar. And then we have um, these great girl singers. We were going to have Anna Bruun as with oh, the orchestral tour, but yeah. she got sick, sadly. But the lady who sl- stepped in, Jenny Abrahamson, uh, who was working with her, is fantastic. And she's also working with a talented cello player, uh, songwriter also called Linnea Olsen. So there's an endless supply of talented
4: Scandinavians. It's really, <laughs> it's really exciting. So just choose me a cut from So that I should go out on. Oh, um,
3: I think it probably is in your eyes, because okay. yeah. it's got a mixture of emotions, and it's still, and you can still dance to it.
4: <laughs> Thanks so much for doing this, well, Thanks, Peter. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Bob. Cheers, Peter Gabriel. This version is from the So remasters. You can find the 25th anniversary box set. It's out now. I'm Bob Boylan, friend PR Music. It's all songs considered.
2: I look to the time with you to keep me awake and alive. And all my instincts, they return. And the grand facade so soon will